Jesus says to his disciples, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Look at the birds in the air, he says. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Consider the lilies of the field. Your heavenly Father closes them. Are you not of more value than they? All of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Telling a human being not to worry is akin to telling the rain not to wet the ground or the sun not to illuminate the sky. Worrying is one of the things that we do best. It's akin to being human. I've never in my life chosen to worry. I've never woken up and said, today I shall worry. (laughs) It just happens. It happens for all of us. Innate within us. At first read, Jesus' words seem a little naive, a little too idealistic, a little too poetic, even a bit thoughtless and impractical, especially in our complex post-industrial lives today. He is right. The birds of the air do not sow or reap. They also don't pay mortgages or pay student loans. True, lilies of the field do not toil or spin. They also don't need health care or a retirement plan. There's a paradox here, because when I think of Jesus and, and his life, this was a man with a plan. He toiled. He had things to do. He was not a flower child. Throughout his life, he worked every day, worked every day until he reached Jerusalem, the fulfillment of his life. Further, we know Jesus experienced worry and anxiety and concern for his own life. On the night he was betrayed, the Gospel of Matthew tells us, on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says to his disciples, I am deeply grieved, even to death. And he prays to God, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. That's worry. And even earlier in his ministry, we know for all intents and purposes, he was homeless. An outcast amongst his own people. And he tells us, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So clearly, life's basic needs, even for Jesus, are not growing on trees. So what gives? What are we to make of this passage? Are we to glide through life humming, don't worry, be happy? Viewing life as one endless all-you-can-eat buffet? Or do we engage life like bosses? Bosses. Consuming and inquiring wealth and status to secure our future. Or is there another option here? Of course, there's another option. It's Jesus, the king of 
of confounding parables and metaphors. There's always another option. What was the focus of Jesus' life? This is not a trick question. What was the focus of Jesus' life? Both are true, but wrong answers. <laughs> there are 25 of you here, and two answered that question. What was the focus of Jesus' life? That's not right either. And that's not right either. <laughs> I'm glad you asked, David. The focus of Jesus' life was God. That was the focus. God was the focus of Jesus' life. God was the background, the foreground, the horizon point. God was it. And in everything he did, no matter the situation, his life spoke of oneness with God. And during his three short years in ministry, what was he trying to communicate to teach his disciples? I'm going to answer this question for you. He was trying to teach them another way. Another way to live. He offered them an invitation to see and know an alternative reality of life lived with God. A life immersed, a life defined, a life acknowledging God's providence, God's care, God's ethic of sustaining and loving all life. And he hoped, he hoped, he had high hopes, that they would then go forth into the world and live out that providence and that ethic to all of God's creation. When Jesus asked us to look at the birds in the air, to consider the lilies of the field, he is not asking us to imitate sparrows and flowers. He is rather asking us to peer more deeply into that alternative reality that we know as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven where the one who created all things cares for all things, defines all things, and loves all things. What if you were to live in that world? What if you were to live not in a world where you are abandoned to your own devices or judged on what you have and have not, but if you lived in a world of divine abundance, a world where God knows your true needs, a world not ruled by acquisitions and insecurity, but a world in which God gives, God provides, how would your life be changed if you accepted the invitation to live in such a world, to permit God to be the lens and the landscape of your life? Do not worry, he says. Do not worry. I believe he's right. Yet it also depends on which reality we want to live in. We have a choice to make. To live in a world of scarcity and bondage, or a world of abundance and freedom. 
to look and see God in our lives here and now. We have a biblical record of God providing in the midst of scarcity, crisis, failure, and despair. We have that record. And we also have our own stories of God's providence and grace in our lives here and now. Every time we come together to pack lunches for the homeless, we witness God's providence, God's care, God's ethic. Every time we come together and we speak a truth about God that changes a person's life, we witness God's providence, God's care, God's ethic. Every time a man or woman walks into this church and seeks a birth certificate or an identification voucher so that they might have an identity in this world, we witness God's providence, God's care, God's ethic. Do you have the eyes to see God's providence, God's care, God's ethic? As I stand here before you, I acknowledge those moments in each of your lives of despair and scarcity. Those moments when a parent is diagnosed and is living with cancer. Those moments when a child dies before it is born into the world. The daily struggle with sobriety. The ending of a relationship. The struggle with self-acceptance because someone in the world told you you weren't enough. These are your stories. These are our stories. They are stories that speak of God's providence, God's care, God's ethic. God has seen each one of us through our individual valley of darkness. So that we might know life and freedom and abundance. Do not worry, he says. Look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. Jesus uses birds and lilies to teach us, to show us how God operates, how God loves, how God invites us to live another way. Like birds in the air, we too can know freedom in this life. But that's the choice we have to make. And like the lilies of the field, we too can know that we were created enough, that we are perfect just as we are. We don't need anything extra. God has given us all that we need now. Jesus never promised us, promises us that life will be simple or easy. He doesn't promise us that we will receive everything we want. And let's be honest, most of what we want, we really don't need. Instead, Jesus invites us to live another way, to see, to know, to trust the loving providence of God. He ensures us that God will provide. God will add. God will give to us what we need to live, to live freely, to live abundantly. Because in God's kingdom, 
in God's economy. We all matter. Amen.